Good morning, everybody. Hey, sounded like a TV show host right there, huh? Good morning. It wasn't that great of a morning. I'm going to be honest with you. I stayed up for the entire game, went to the game, and got home at midnight, but uh, we won, so it's okay to, uh, to stay up late. Man, I'm so excited to see all of you today, and uh, wow, what an awesome day in church. I just was enjoying being here in the presence of God on Sunday. I come every week, and, I, and I'm just like, Lord, I want everybody to get something, but if they don't, that's their fault because I'm going to get something. Come on. It's like if you go to the all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet and you leave, you know, hungry, it's your fault, right? And so when you come into, that was a weird analogy, huh? But when you come to church, when you come to God's house with God's people and we're here in worship, God shows up. He's here in the atmosphere. It's kind of like if you go out in the rain and, and, and everybody else is getting wet and you're dry, like that's your fault. Like what's going on? You know what I mean? God is here in this place. So we need to come with faith and expectation, believing he's going to meet us. Hey, if this is your first time at Joy Church, I want to say welcome. My name is Jake, and I'm the pastor here, along with my wife, Bethany, and we're so glad that you're here, along with all the team. And I know this is going to be a great time for you, a great Sunday, and God is, is here to meet with you. And every one of us, whether you are here for the first time or this is your 25th time or whatever it is, you've been here since the very beginning, it's God's here to meet with you today, right? So really excited. Well, we announced last week that we'd have a guest speaker today. And as you know, this is not a guest speaker. I am not Jared Strickland. I am Jacob Schmelzer. And though we share the same initials, he is a much cooler, more handsome, awesome guy. But um, the reason that he's not here today is because uh, Jared and Brittany, their son, is having a medical situation. So we're just going to pray for their family. I know you guys don't know them. We're going to have them here uh, probably sometime this fall or winter, hopefully to get them down to speak. He had a really incredible fresh word for our church, and I'm, I'm excited for him to give that. Uh, to us, but we're going to just pray for them. So uh, will you guys pray? Let's pray for them right now and their family and their son, Ezekiel. Lord, we just lift up Jared and Brittany and Zeke. We thank you for their ministry and their church up in uh, Portland area. Lord, we just pray right now that you would release your healing power for Ezekiel, Lord, as he's going through a situation. And Father, we just lift up that family, Lord, for everything they've gone through and the hardship they've gone through. Lord, we just pray right now for your refreshing, your encouragement, and your healing. And Lord, we pray a blessing from us here at Joy Church to them. Uh, Lord, a blessing on their church today. God, a blessing on their family. And we lift them up to you today and we thank you for them in Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So we're excited to have uh, them come down after they get through this this time. But uh, today uh, you get to hear me and that's okay because I've got a really awesome word for you today. We're gonna talk about being in alignment. Somebody say alignment. Alignment. My, I'm a little nasally because I drank some coffee with cream, but I, hopefully I'm saying it right. I'm not saying alignment. I'm saying alignment. Does that work? Okay. Being in alignment. So a couple, a couple months ago, Bethany and I were driving up to the loft to our church offices, and we had this warning in our, our car. It's our Ferrari that we drive in. And the, the <laughs> no, it's a 2005 Ford Taurus. Come on. Uh, <coughs> no, no, wait. 2008. <laughs> And it says low tire pressure. You know, you, you ever see these warnings? Now, how many of you are actually handy at fixing cars and such? Okay, good. That's awesome. You have your man card. How many of you, like me, are worthless when it comes to awesome man stuff like that? Okay, I'm worthless. So any kind of warning or whatever I see, it, I'm just like, I, we have to take it somewhere. So we see this low tire pressure warning, and I'm like, oh, no, what's going on? And Bethany says, oh, I can take it down to Les Schwab and let them check it out. And, and uh, I'm like, okay. So she takes it down there. And uh, we're too cheap to actually get Les Schwab to fix it. So we took it to Walmart. 
And uh, <laughs> come on. And uh, the, the thing was, we had just put new tires on it about a year before. So we're like, what's going on? You know, do we have a leak or what, whatever? And we get there and they're like, hey, it's really good that you brought your car in today because you're basically driving on the bands of the tire. And I'm, I didn't even know there were bands in tires, uh, but there's these metal bands that run through the, the rubber, right, to provide structural support. They said, you're basically driving on the metal uh, of the, and your tires are, are toast. Your rear tires are completely toast. And basically you were with an imminent, you know, critical condition of having, having both tires blow out on the back of your car, which wouldn't be good. And so we're like, what's going on? These are brand new tires. They said, well, here's the problem. Your car is severely out of alignment. And we didn't know this. We didn't feel out of alignment. You know, sometimes it didn't, it didn't feel like something was wrong. We didn't know. We were, we were not aware of this problem. But they said, yeah, actually the rear tires are, are they're, they're turned inward or outward or whatever it is. They're out of alignment. And so it's causing them to wear uh, at a severe level. And now you're at a critical place. And they said, we, we're going to fix your tires, but, but we're going to replace these tires. They're, they're shot, but you need to go get an alignment right now. You see, many times in life, we're driving along, we're going about our business. We might not even feel like there's a problem, but all of a sudden you get a little warning, you know, light comes on in your life. Maybe, maybe you, you're a little angry all of a sudden, or something's going on, a relationship goes sideways, or something's going on with your job or with your kids. And you get that warning light and you go into the shop and they say, hey, you didn't know this, but you were actually at, in critical condition. You were about ready to have potentially a blowout, a wreck, or something was going to happen, and you're driving on the metal bands of your life. Why? Because you're out of alignment. And we can fix the tires. We can fix the surface issue. We can give you some counseling about your anger. We can help you with your marriage. We can talk to you about your kids, about job placement or whatever. But the real issue is not the symptom. The real issue is the source, which is the fact that your life is out of alignment. So I want to talk about today getting our lives in line, getting our lives in alignment with God. Because when we are out of alignment with God, what happens is it brings us to a place of a critical level in our life. It'll manifest in our relationships. It'll manifest in our mental health. Even our physical bodies will begin to indicate to us, hey, there's a problem going on. And then what happens is because of being out of alignment with God, even culture and society gets out of alignment with God and we know that the scripture says that creation longs, it groans to be reconciled, right? To be brought back into alignment with God. So in life, how many of you know there are many things that pull us out of alignment, right? That pull us to the left or to the right. And I'm going to read a scripture about this. In 1 John chapter 2, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. In other words, what John Jesus, the uh, disciple here is saying is, Hey, it's one or the other. Like you really have your heart set on God. You're in alignment with God and with God's word and God's ways and God's will, or you're loving the world and that's going to pull you in a different direction. Then he gives us some categories. He says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, three categories, things that pull us to the left or the right, pull us out of alignment. Uh, these come not from the father, but from the world, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And so today what we're going to talk about is getting our lives aligned with God, learning how to do that and seeing how important that is. How many of you think that sounds good today? Awesome. And then we'll go beat the other churches to the best restaurants in Jesus name. Number one, I just get mileage out of that joke. So I keep using it at least in second service, maybe not first service. Number one, we need to be aligned in the love of God. 
I might not preach any other points today. This might be the one we stop on um, because this one is really fresh in my spirit for you today, really fresh that we need to be aligned in the love of God. You know, the best part about Christianity and really the differ, differentiating factor of the Christian faith or the Christian religion against any other worldview or perspective or philosophy or religion is the idea, and this is core, guys, listen to this, the idea that there is nothing we can do to earn, achieve, uh, do any religious activity. We can't earn our way to God and into God's favor, but we simply receive by grace the favor of God, the goodness of God, the love of God. You see, every other world religion essentially has some mechanism by which we as the human being activate and we, and we do certain things. Maybe it's a certain way we live, or maybe it's a moral code. Maybe it's a, a certain belief structure, or you pray this many times a day, or if you do X, Y, Z, all of a sudden you, you, you're, you're earning enough, right? You're, you're, you're balancing the scale, and now when you die, or maybe even in this life, or, or whatever, however the religion has the conception of afterlife, or whatever that may be, uh, you, you earn your way to favor and alignment with that deity or that God. But the Christian faith can be pulled that direction too in, in false religion. But the reality is the core message of the gospel is that we don't do anything to earn our way to God. God earned his way to us. He paid the entire price to redeem us. And the Christian faith is all about a, a, the posture of a receiver to receive God's love. Are you with me? Now, this is hard for us because in, inside of us, there's something that wants to do it ourselves. I remember my sister, Natalie, she, when she was born, and as she grew a little bit older and began to talk and everything, she had a slogan, I will do it myself. She was very independent. It's like, we want to help you, Natalie, get your, you know, your clothes for Sunday. No, I'll do it myself. We want to help you, uh, mom and dad saying, you know, help you with the, the toilet. No, I'll do it myself. Want to help you with this toy. No, I'll do it myself. And that is the, the human condition, isn't it? We want to do it ourselves. We want to stand on our own two feet. But a true understanding of the Christian faith, really being aligned in the love of God, says I've got to receive God's love for me. I've got to receive it and believe it and make it my foundation. In 1 John 4, it says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Before you can go anywhere with God, if, before you can really be aligned with God, you have to embrace the gospel message. That love is not that we loved God. It's not that we chose him. It's not that we've done this great stuff, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And this is where the application of the Christian faith comes in. As we receive God's love, we can then love other people, right? As God begins to heal us and change us and transform us with his love. In verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And so being aligned in the love of God, getting aligned with God in life starts with being aligned in God's love and it starts with receiving God's love. And, and, you know, today you're hearing me say this, you're hearing me preach, everybody in here, those that are awake, except for the six people in the pack asleep, but everybody's listening to this, but you're not necessarily really hearing me, and I want you to hear me. God loves you. He loves you even though you're doing the wrong stuff right now. God loves you even though you've blown it again and again and again. God loves you even though you're going to blow it again tomorrow. Come on, God loves you. You can't do anything to, to shake his love. You know, you can't do anything to stop his love. Does that mean God doesn't, doesn't discipline us? No, he does, just like a loving father, 
right? Doesn't mean that there's no consequences, but you don't, but it doesn't turn God's love off and you need to receive that. That is the very first step of alignment with God is saying, man, I just receive God's love by grace. It's, I don't stand in my own two feet. I don't stand in my own strength, the righteousness I receive from him. That's where alignment begins. And then as we get aligned with that and we begin to receive God's love, that's where then all of a sudden the love that we have for him and for others begins to uh, be expressed and become fresh and alive in our lives. And the second thing I want to talk about as we look at getting aligned in the love of God is just to ask you this, do you love him in return? And I want to challenge you if you're a follower of Jesus to come back to your first love. This is something for me that I would say probably once every two years, I have to have a strong you know, moment with God where I kind of go, oh, I'm gonna, re, I'm gonna re-fall in love with you, Jesus. I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna let the affections of this world, the, the lust of the flesh, the, the, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life pull me to the left or the right. I need to get aligned again in my love for God. Come on, the Christian faith was never meant to just be purely intellectual. Oh, I just accept the creeds. I just accept the philosophy. I accept the truth. No, it's meant to be accepted. Yes, mentally. Yes, in truth. And we're going to talk about that, but then brought into us as a holistic human being, body, soul, and spirit, which includes our emotions and includes that part of us, the sentimental part of us that resonates and responds even emotionally to God. Come on. And and about every two years, I have to go, okay, God, I uh, I know that you love me, but I got to refresh that. And I got to go back to my place of first love. And remember the moment when Jesus, when you came and got me out of my darkness, come on, I got to go back to that place, that fresh place where, where that love was born. We got to do that in our marriages, don't we? You know, I like to think about the moment. There was a time when Bethany and I were not, we weren't, uh, I think we were dating or something at the time, but we were talking outside of the church, Joy Medford, and she was wearing this green puffy jacket. It was winter and her nose was bright red because it was so cold outside. And I just remember, I just wanted to kiss her so bad. I didn't because I'm too nervous. But I, the first time I tried to kiss Bethany, she went, woo, <laughs> like that. <laughs> she was overwhelmed with my masculinity. It was amazing. <clears throat> She's over, overwhelmed with the Old Spice cologne coming at her. <laughs> There's no more manly cologne than Old Spice. I'll tell you that right now. But uh, I remember that moment. I, I was falling in love. I was in love. It was fresh. It was first love. And, you know, you have three kids, as we do. And, you know, she now knows all of my idiosyncrasies and discovers new ones all the time. And she calls them idiosyncrasies. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, you get familiar. And all of a sudden, you have to remind yourself every once in a while, don't you? Hey, I got to get back to that place of first love. In Revelations 2... This is uh, uh, speaking to the churches, the Holy Spirit speaking to the church. He says to the church in Ephesus, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You've tested those who say they're apostles and are not, have found them liars, and you have persevered and have patience. In other words, church, you're, you're in alignment with truth. You're in alignment with righteousness. You have patience. You've labored for my name's sake, and you've not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You know, it's possible for us at Joy Church to go through all the motions, to go through all the right stuff, to come on Sundays and sing the right songs and preach the right messages and do the right groups and have the right model and have the right ministries and have the right, you know, next track. And we have everything right on and we get our building paid off and, and, and we can do everything right. And even everybody looking at our church from the outside would say, man, what a great church. That church is doing all the right stuff. But is the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, you're doing all the right stuff, but nevertheless, there's something missing you've lost that place of intimacy, you've lost your first love. 
Listen, follower of Jesus, brother or sister, I want to talk to you today. Have you lost your first love? And there's no condemnation. It's just time to come back. It's just time to fall back in love with Jesus and come back to that place of gospel where you receive God's love and it just sets your heart on fire and it's you and Jesus and you know with him and you, you could just change the world and like it's fresh. Come on, it's brand new. Again, like there's that passion. We need to continually go back to that place where we met Jesus, the place of our first love. I remember as a teenager, um, I, I grew up in church, but but, you know, and I was a pastor's kid, but, but even if you grow up in church, it doesn't make you a Christian. There's moments where you have to, to go buy in and actually become a Christian, right? Going to the zoo doesn't make you a monkey. Growing up in church doesn't make you a Christian. Uh, you, you have to, to buy in. And I remember as a teenager when I was making those decisions to follow Jesus, and I fell in love with Jesus, and, and, I, and I, I said, I'm going to give you my life, Jesus. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you want me to do. But I remember in those moments, I didn't have any ministry. There was no platform. There was no preaching. I wasn't leading worship. I wasn't doing anything for God. But it was in those moments of isolation, even loneliness as a teenager, where I would be in my room. And I remember I had an old stereo system from my, da my dad. It was like the, the way stereos ought to be. It was like giant wood speakers. They were like heavier than a house. You know what I mean? And just so much bass and so much power. And I would lay in front of those speakers and I would listen to worship music and I would bawl my eyes out because I was just desperate for more of God, just desperate for the Holy Spirit. And I wasn't, it wasn't for something and it wasn't for someone else. It was for me in that moment. And it was the place of first love where I said, God, I want you to open up my heart and my soul and take me out and put you in because I wanna make a difference. God, I just love you. Come on, and sometimes I gotta go back all the time I got to go back to that place of worship. Come on, somebody. You know, you need to find that place of your first love and have an, a way that you activate that and that you activate an encounter with God. And I'm going to give you some handholds and practical things today to be able to do that. But listen, every follower of Jesus should have a passion for Jesus that, that, get, that rubs off on other people. But you can't fake that. You can't manufacture that. It has to come from the wellspring of worship. It has to come from a place of encounter with the Holy Spirit. Come on, I'm preaching good today. You're not amen enough. <laughs> I want to ask you, do you love him? Do you have a place of worship? Yesterday, I found out from our guest speaker, hey, you know, can't, I, not going to work to come. And so I'm like, wow, I didn't write a message and I'm going to a Ducks game. So I got, you know, and, and you know what? I started to like dig in and I was stressed and Bethany's like, are you ready? And I'm like, I don't have anything to say, you know. And I have 40 million messages, but I don't want to grab some old reheated thing and bring it out for you guys. You know what I mean? I'm like, God, I need you. Like, so I went up to my office and I was listening to the new Leland worship CD, which is phenomenal. There's a song that, that's called First Love Fire. And I'm writing this message and I'm thinking about the first love of God. And the song comes on and I lifted my hands in my, my office and I could just feel in that moment, man, I don't have anything to say, but I just, God is inside of me. It's going to come out when I'm ready tomorrow. Come on, you gotta have a place of worship. Do you have a place, a well of worship where you go and all of a sudden, man, there's God right there in that place. Come on, that'll change your life. And we need to be desperate for the presence of God. I love what Moses said. You know, if you're not familiar with the story in the book of Exodus where the, the people of Israel are being taken out of Egypt and God's delivering them and bringing them to the promised land. And there's a place where Moses says to God, he says, God, if your presence does not go with us, we're not gonna go. Come on, we are a church that is directed and sustained and led by the presence of God. We want to do things smart. We want, to, we want to strategize correctly. We want to manage our finances well. We want to have good ministry models and discipleship pathway and all that stuff. 
But without the presence of God, none of that matters. Come on, we are directed and sustained by the presence of God. We want to be led uh, by the presence of God. Moses said, we're not going to go if you're not with us. Do you have that love in your life? Are you aligned in the love of God today? Or is your faith, your religion, rote and just discipline and just duty and just going through the motions? Or is there a place of passion, a place of worship in your life? So here's an action step for this. How, how do you do this? How do you develop what I'm talking about? How many of you say, man, I, Pastor Jake, I want a place of worship. I want that place where when I, when I want to connect with God, like, what is that like? Okay, here's the thing. You have to just make space in your life for God to show up and meet with you. You see, a lot of times we think that God is like, we think of the heavens, they're like made of brass. You know, like we pray these prayers and they bounce off and come back and God every once in a while opens the gate and, and like something good happens. That's not how it is. God longs for you more than you long for him. God longs for relationship with you far more than you long for relationship with him. And many times we're just too busy. We're just too closed off. We're just too full to be filled. And so we have to get a little bit empty. We have to get a little bit quiet. We have to make space in our life, in our time. And so what I want to encourage you to do is have a daily time set aside to meet with God. A, a time where you just say every single day, for me, it's in the morning. For Bethany, it's in the morning. You know, a lot of followers of Christ that have been doing this a long time, you know, it's, it's in the morning time because we want to start our day with God. And you could do it in the evening. It's not that the time necessarily has some significance. Although I do really believe, why would I want to start my day without connecting, having an encounter with God, right? Because I have a lot of ideas every day and not all of them are from him. <laughs> so getting in alignment with God. So setting aside that time every day to meet with God in daily, what we call daily devotions, which is just that you're going to open up the scripture. You're going to read God's word and you're going to listen to God and let him speak to you through his word. You're going to listen to him and speak to him through prayer. And I would encourage you to get some good worship music like that Leland album. My goodness, uh, man, that thing is like, that, that album should be like, on, it's like literally on fire. I don't know. It's so anointed. It's just like, sounds religious, but it is. It's just powerful worship. Just listening to that and just uh, saturating in God. Have, the, have that time. You go, well, I don't have time. Do you have time to watch TV? You have time to go work and make money? You have time to eat? You have time to sleep? You have time. Everybody has the same amount of time. We make time for what matters, okay? You do have time. Go to bed earlier, wake up earlier, whatever you need to do. But put God first in your life, in your time. Make some space, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes with God. You know, if you can have an hour with God a day, my goodness, you're gonna be preaching next week. <laughs> But listen, guys, daily encounter equals daily breakthrough. Daily encounter equals daily breakthrough. A fresh encounter with God every day. I, I was an intern director. We had a bunch of Bible college students, you know, young people. And, uh, and it was awesome to hear all of their crazy theology they bring into my office. And I felt like, I felt like uh, what's the guy for the ducks that blocks all the shots? Kenny Wooten. They'd bring some lazy butt theology in my office, and I'd be like, boom, slap it down. So I had one guy come in and he was like, yeah, well, I, I just, I'm just in a dry season. I'm in the wilderness. I'm like, that's awesome. You've learned a couple religious words. The reason you dry is because you lazy. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit never runs dry. <laughs> so you're dry because you aren't touching the water. You know what I mean? It's like my kids, I'm thirsty. Get up and go to the fridge. It, it, water comes out. It's like the rock in the desert. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> if you're dry, it's because you aren't connecting with the water source. Sometimes it's harder to get to the water but it's always there. So daily encounter equals daily breakthrough. Aligned 
in the love of God. Come on, aligned in the love of God. Say it with me, aligned in the love of God. Number two, we need to get aligned in the truth of God. All right, I'm gonna offend some people here today, perhaps, hopefully not, but we'll see. <laughs> aligned in the truth of God. We live in a relativistic culture, guys. This, our culture that we live in, that we are a part of and help to manufacture and create, says, well, you know, you have your truth, I have my truth, right? I get to decide what's true for me and, what's, and then you can decide what's true for you. The problem is when we disagree, somebody's wrong. Somebody says, I don't believe in absolute truth. Do you believe that absolutely? Is that absolutely true or is that just true for you and I can have my own truth? We know this doesn't work logically. It always is sawing off the branch that you're sitting on, right? This kind of thinking. And yet we are a culture that has absolutely lost its mind. G.K. Chesterton said, the object of having an open mind is the same as of having an open mouth that you would shut it again on something solid. We have a lot of people that have such an open mind, their brain fell out. And I'm one of them sometimes, where I get crazy and I, and I, I start thinking, well, you know, well, I start creating my own reality, my own truth. The reality is truth exists as a category that you can discover, it can be revealed to you and you can embrace it and you can live by it and then actually join the, the real world and join reality, or you can live in a delusional fantasy land, but we don't get to manufacture truth. Truth is, it exists as a category. Uh, there's a, one of the scholars or theologians said, all truth is God's truth, because there either is a God who created the universe and established the laws of physics and the laws of science, so on and so forth, uh, and he either did that 15 billion years ago or 15,000 years or 6,000 years, it's irrelevant, but there either is a God who created everything and established the natural order and also the, the spiritual order, or there is not. And those two things don't coexist. And if you accept the reality of God, that means there is truth as a category laced through the, the universe. And it's our job to go and discover that truth and then order our lives to it and order our life to God's truth, not create our own reality, which is just delusion. And this goes in every type of area. See, here's the thing. It says in the scriptures, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And this is a statement, not just about atheism of saying, oh, I don't believe in God. That's actually not what it's talking about. It's talking about the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. When we eliminate truth as a category and objective reality in morality, objective reality in science, objective reality in any area of life, what we have done is we've bought into a delusional view. And now everything we think and do will be based in a place of foolishness leads to chaos. And so we need to anchor our lives to the truth of God and the truth found in his word. Don't overthink yourself out. Don't think yourself out of truth. Don't think that you know better than God. We don't. Now, listen, I'm not saying like, you know, that you hear a lot of Christians and a lot of people, well, you know, well, I believe it because it's in God's word and they have their own twisted interpretation or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying God's truth is there. It exists. And just understanding that reality and saying, I'm going to bend my life to that, not the other way around, is core. Coming into alignment with the truth of God. We need to anchor our lives to the truth of God. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is what? Wise. Why? Because what Jesus said is truth. What Jesus says, how he tells us to live, how he tells us to, to practice sexuality or not to practice sexuality is truth. And it's wise. How Jesus tells us to handle our money is truth and it's wise. How Jesus tells us to treat our spouse is truth and it's wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise, right? And the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Listen, there are always storms. People go, oh, it's the worst time in history right now. No, it's not. 
And then people in the 1200s, it's the worst time. No, it's, it, there's always storms. But if you build your house on solid rock, your house isn't gonna fall. Jesus says, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. Let me ask you right now, you, might, you don't have to like what God says, but if you don't honor what God says, if you don't accept it as truth and begin to bend your life to it and shape your life to it, you're building your life on sand. You're only hurting yourself. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it's gonna collapse with a mighty crash. So alignment, we're talking about alignment. You're, you're, you're running, your tires get alignment. You're, you're driving on the bands, uh, whatever this looks like. And for many people, you're out of alignment because of a lack of truth, because of a lack of truth. You know, if you're living in a, in a moral situation, and I'm not speaking this to judge you because all of us sometimes are out of alignment in our morals, okay? But if you're living in a, in a lifestyle that the Bible calls sin, you are out of alignment. And it's not my opinion, it's God's word. It's truth. You with me? If I'm doing something wrong and all of a sudden I'm like, ah, my spirit doesn't feel good, my soul, and oh, my body's actually being affected because I'm doing this stuff and I know it's not right. And it's like, well, yeah, because you're out of alignment. And I can't create my own reality and just change truth. I have to get aligned with God. We need to walk in God's truth in the area of morality. What does the Bible call sin? Let's not get too creative. Let's just say, man, if that's sin, it's sin. And all of us want to do things that are against God's truth in this area. I don't care if you're homosexual, heterosexual, if you don't know what you are. All of us want to do stuff with our bodies that is not according to God's pattern and plan. And it's, the Bible's pretty clear that we all have to subordinate our sinful desires to the righteousness of God in Christ and experience freedom and life in that. So it's not about, oh, I'm uh, you know, hetero, homo, this, that. No, 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 genders, no. The, the, an the answer is this, do we accept God's truth and, and are we aligning ourselves with that as a person? You with me? Got quiet in here. Am I aligning myself with God's truth in the spirit? Am I aligning myself with God's truth in the emotional area? If your emotions are out of control, if you're an out of control person, you need to, to get the fruit of the spirit activated by getting God's truth in you saying, no, I, I'm not going to allow my anxiety and worry to, to run my life. I'm gonna allow God to direct me and, and sustain me in this area. I'm gonna accept God's truth and reprogram what's broken. We, it was interesting because Recently, I don't know if you saw this, but, and I, and I only say this with the utmost compassion, and I, I'm going to preface this with this. I want to make a, a cultural comment, though, and I, I, I want you to hear that I am saying this with compassion. There was a, a pastor, a well-known pastor, that recently committed suicide. And this man's ministry was essentially to destigmatize mental health issues, which is good. There, there is an aspect where, you know, we don't just pray everything away. There, there is legitimate mental illness. Are you hearing me, Okay. But there's a problem that is also in the destigmatization movement of all kinds of things. Like our culture right now is if you struggle with anything, everybody just says, well, that's, man, we accept it 100%. Nobody ever challenges or speaks back against anything that anybody brings to the table. Like I could come and tell you that I suffer from introvertism. You guys, listen, I'm sorry I can't be your pastor because honestly it makes me uncomfortable to talk to you. I mean, it's introvertism. It's a real thing. Somebody wrote a book about it. You know, like we can make up a thing that describes how we feel or a way we, does that make sense? Does that, do, do we all have, is there mental illness? Yes, there is. I'm not saying there's not. I'm not saying the answer to everything is just pray in tongues. I'm not saying that. But this pastor that committed suicide, the destigmatization of this issue, the problem is what you do is you end up 
when you're telling everybody, hey, there is really no hope and Jesus will just help you walk through it, you actually, even if Jesus was never going to help you, even the belief that there is help out there is a hope bringing thing. And if you take that away, then what does a person have? So people were lamenting, if the person who's giving us hope commits suicide, what hope is there? And I just want to get up and tell you, let me tell you guys, have I conquered every battle in my life? No. Will I conquer every battle in my life by the end of my life? I don't know, but I'm going to pursue God and believe that there's health and freedom in every area of life for the rest of my life. Because even if God does not save me, I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Come on, we're going into the Old Testament right now. In the fiery furnace, they say, oh, king, it may be, when he puts them into the fiery furnace, King Nebuchadnezzar, he says, oh, king, it may be that, that God will not deliver us, but nevertheless, we're going to continue to trust in God. I would rather anchor my life to truth in God and hope in God and actually have hope to hang on to that even if he doesn't deliver me, I still believed he could have. Come on. And in that situation, Nebuchadnezzar goes, oh my gosh, there's a fourth person in the fire. Who is that? And they walked out of there not even smelling like smoke. Crazy how sometimes when you actually believe God could deliver you and you are united in this area, and we're talking about emotions and, and, and anchoring ourselves to truth. I would rather be a person who anchors and plants their flag in the truth of God's word and even dies and loses the battle against my depression or whatever than, than give up the game before we even play it. But that's just me. You do you, boo. All right, have a united heart to fear his name. Where in your life are you split? When you talk about being in alignment with God's truth, between where are you split between fearing God and going your own way? In Psalms 86, David prays this prayer. He says, teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. He didn't say, I will walk in your good feelings in worship. I will walk in your love. I will walk, no, I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Why? Because our heart wants to go different directions, doesn't it? The heart, as Jeremiah the prophet tells us, is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? It pulls us in a million different directions. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Our heart is not the arbiter of all truth. People go, follow your heart. Everything in life. Well, I don't want to work a job. I don't want to work in an office. I just follow my heart. Everybody, you know, <laughs> no, your heart is deceitfully wicked. Your heart will pull you to places you do not want to go. So what do we need to do? We need to get our heart integrated and united to fear the name of the Lord, to honor, revere, and uh, pursue God's truth. So what's the action step here? Fill yourself with God's word. Give attention to it daily. Reprogram your old and busted thinking with the word of God. Romans 12, 2, God transforms us by changing the way we think. He reveals his good and perfect will by changing the way we think. We need to upgrade our programming, upgrade our thinking. Come on, you're on Windows 3.1 and you got to go to Windows 95. Come on. You're running Windows, you're running Windows, you need a Mac. Like, get with it, right? This is 2019. <laughs> Just messing. Um, get upgraded in your programming, get aligned with God's truth and watch what happens in your life. Okay, number three, we need to be aligned in the purpose of God. So we're aligned in the love of God, aligned in the truth of God and get aligned in the purpose of God. God has purpose in you and for you. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece. Come on, say, I'm a masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And here's what happens. If we are living our life outside of alignment with the purpose of God, uh, it's usually we're, we find ourselves out of alignment because we're living for ourselves. We're worried about our life, worried about our, our money, worried about our relationships, worried about this kind of stuff. And what Jesus tells us is, look, don't worry about that stuff. You build the kingdom of God. You pursue God's kingdom and he's gonna bring everything into order. It says in Matthew 6, 
So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Shun the unbelievers, Charlie. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> That's very, very niche humor. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God, what? Above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. When we align our life with the purpose of God and we say, man, my life is to build God's kingdom. My life is to be subordinated and committed to God's agenda, not my agenda. That's why in the morning I have to go to the place of worship, the place of prayer, and get aligned with the will of God because my will is different than God's will. What I want on a daily basis many times is outside of alignment with what God wants me to do. And I think, oh, if I make more money or do this or do that, I'll be more happy and more fulfilled. And God says, hang on, son, I, I want to I align you into what I have for you, what I've called you to do. Because when you wear you know, your, your Tony Stark Iron Man suit of destiny and purpose, you're going to really feel fulfilled and actually find that place of contentment because you are who I've called you to be. Come on. And God even knows us more than we know ourselves. So we need to get in alignment with the purpose of God and put his kingdom first put his kingdom first. So how do we put this one into action? Well, here at Joy Church, we have a thing called Next, Next Track. This is a really, really good environment, a really good opportunity for each of us to start the journey of discovering who we are in God. When you go to Next Track, we're going to talk about how to follow Jesus. You're going to learn about your spiritual gifts, some of the things that maybe you're wired and shaped and able to do. And we're going to talk about how you can get involved in serving the church. But the, the, the bigger picture than you just like serving in a ministry at the church, though that is important and really good. The bigger picture is to unlock and activate you as a purpose-filled follower of Jesus to make a difference in the, in the world. The, and so next track is going to help you discover who you are in God and begin to open up that door of what has God called me to do. So let me just preach to you for two more minutes. You know, today you might be sitting here going, well, God can't do anything with my life. I don't have that many abilities or talents or I'm I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm too skinny or too fat or too whatever. And the reality is God can do more with your life than you ever thought possible. Even in short periods of time, God could take you and do incredible things with your life if you would open that door and say, I'm gonna get in alignment with the purpose of God. I'm gonna stop letting my insecurity and my past failures and whatever is going on, even in my present, my present circumstances, I'm gonna stop allowing those things to suppress my destiny. I'm going to say, God, I'm open up to you. Unlock me. I want to be aligned with you in this area of purpose. And then just make a decision to go all in. Man, I love, these two words are so incredible, all in. I want you to think about this. You know, I love, one of my favorite things to do is study leadership. And I love watching leaders who create a culture. I'm watching this happen with the Oregon Ducks right now. Somebody was telling me, I don't like the Ducks. I don't think they're going the right direction. And I'm like, nope, you watch. They're going to do good things because the leader has created a standard and a culture and a language. And that leader is establishing, our coach is establishing a culture for this team. And it doesn't really matter what players get plugged into it. When the culture is good and those players start to buy in, all of a sudden you see that switch flip and that rock starts rolling down the hill and picking up snow as it goes. Come on. And momentum starts happening. Why? Because people start going all in. It's awesome to watch how that happens in organizations and places, right? And all of a sudden you see victory, 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 victory. And I'm just telling you right now, in the kingdom of God here, at, and even just as it's expressed locally here at Joy Church, I want to provoke you, insult you, cajole you, uh, 
poke you, pull you, do whatever I can to get you to go all in with Jesus. Because I know that if you will go all in with Jesus, come on, he's already gone all in for you. But if you will go all in and get aligned with the purposes of God, we are unstoppable for God's kingdom in this area. Come on, go all in with Jesus. You're, what are you holding on to today? What, what are you, what's stopping you from really embracing the fullness of God? Oh, Pastor Jake, I've been hurt in church. Welcome to the club. You will get hurt again. But there's something about relationship and family where you got to go all in. If you're not vulnerable, you're not going to be loved either. You're not going to receive love. Well, Pastor Jake, I, I have too much to lose. If I go all in with God, then maybe he'll ask me to move to China and be a missionary. Yeah, he might. But, but can I tell you, you'd be more happy on a dirt floor eating rice every day in the purpose of God than you would be in a nice mansion on a hill somewhere in Eugene. Well, Pastor Jake, if I go all in, it's get, my wife's not, she's not all in, she's not with me. Don't worry about that. You go all in with Jesus and you seek first his kingdom and let God do what he needs to do in your marriage. Well, God, if, if I go all in with God, my kids, you need to go all in with him and watch him do what he does in your life. Come on, talk about that all day. We're gonna move on. So alignment, wanna be aligned in the love of God. Go back to the place of your first love. Daily encounter, daily breakthrough. Aligned in the truth of God. Don't, out, don't, you're not, don't be smarter than God. Get into his word and build your life on that. Arrange your life to his truth in every area and aligned in the purpose of God. Go all in, pursue him. Go to next track, take your next step, all in with God. As we get ready to close today, some of you are here and today's your moment to just start this journey with Jesus. And the very first act of alignment that we have to do is, is to come and to lay down our good and our bad at the, foot of at the feet of Jesus, at the foot of the cross, and say, Jesus, here's my life. I haven't done it all good or all bad, but I give it to you, and I'm going to receive you as my Lord and Savior. It's to put our faith and trust in Jesus. It's to become a follower of Jesus and to go all in and say, Jesus, I'm not trusting my own goodness. I'm going to trust you and what you did for me. I'm going to receive your love, receive your grace. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If that's you today, and you want to put your faith in Christ, would you just raise your hand so I can see? Just lift it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. 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 I want to go all in with Jesus. I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. Awesome. Let's pray this prayer together. Everybody pray with me. Dear Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you and you alone. I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be reconciled with you. I give you all of me today, and I hold nothing back. In Jesus' name, amen.